everyone. My name is Susan Taylor and welcome back to the Family Source Surrogacy Podcast. We are so excited to be here again and to share our stories with everyone out there. We started this podcast to discuss everything within the world of third-party reproduction. We hope by telling our stories, this podcast will inform, entertain, and educate our listeners about the ups and downs associated with starting their family with the help of an egg donor, a surrogate, or oftentimes both. On this week's episode, we talk to our very dear friend, Sharna Caceres. Sharna is a graduate of the University of the Incarnate Word and received her law degree from St. Mary's University. She also attended the National Institute of Adoption, Law, and Policy and the Dispute Resolution Institute at the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. Sharna is an attorney practicing artificial reproduction technology, which counsels private individuals, healthcare practitioners, and healthcare organizations on the legal requirements and best practices for growing families. She is licensed to practice law in the state of Texas, and she actively volunteers with organizations that develop youth and further local communities. Sharna married her college sweetheart, and they have three small children and a myriad of rescue pets. A little more about me. As I mentioned, my name is Susan Taylor. I have been in third-party reproduction for about seven years, and I currently work for a third-party agency as the director of intake and match operations. I'm also a married mom with four little ones, and I've been a gestational surrogate twice for two different families. As well, I am a licensed home birth midwife in the DFW, Texas area. Today's podcast is brought to you by Family Source Consultants. Family Source Consultants is a leading authority in third-party reproductive services. They've been helping create families in the United States and internationally since 2007. Having helped bring over 1,000 little babies into the world, it's their mission to make egg donation and gestational surrogacy a beautiful journey for everyone involved. Their team of experts work with individuals and couples from all walks of life wanting to create and expand their family. They provide a professional, personalized service to ensure that your experience is incredibly positive and fulfilling. One of the special things about Family Source Consultants is how many of their staff have personally experienced third-party reproduction. Their team includes former surrogates, egg donors, a licensed midwife, a social worker, and parents who have created their families through surrogacy or egg donation. Family Source Consultants provide their clients with an intimate understanding of what clients are going through and what they can expect. They are knowledgeable and passionate about helping you realize your dreams of having a family and will be there for you every step of the way. To learn more about Family Source Consultants, please visit their website at www.familysourceconsultants.com. Hi, Sharna. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you and to pick your brain about laws and just talk about why Texas is just so awesome. It is. I'm so glad the word's getting out. Well, let's start with you and 
you telling us about yourself. So I live in San Antonio. I was born in Dallas in the Las Colinas area, and I grew up in Houston. And I have three beautiful children. I have a four-year-old daughter, a two-year-old son, and a nine-month-old son with my husband, who's my college sweetheart, who's from Peru. (laughs) So not from Texas. Somehow. (laughs) So where are you based out of now? And is it where your um, office is located? I'm based out of San Antonio, but I help people throughout the world um, build families here in Texas. That's amazing. How did you find yourself in third-party reproduction? Did you need to use third-party reproduction to build your family? So how I started in um, third-party reproduction is actually, it was way before I had um, my kids. So I went to law school to become an adoption attorney. Um, I myself was adopted um, through step-parent adoption, and I spent time with my now husband in his home country of Peru, and I saw such a disconnect between children who needed homes and people who wanted to build families. Mm -hmm. And once I got in law school and was really studying at some of the top places and sites for adoption law in the nation, I saw that, you know what? Adoption is not always ethical and it's not always the best solution. And that's when I got into fertility law and, you know, being a young, fresh attorney, I moved into what was a growing field and there were all these doctors who were saying, you know, we need, we need a surrogate for these intended parents. Can you help them? Or this is just not working out with IVF. We're going to need some form of help to, for them to have children. And so they would send them to me. And that's how I started to match. And I matched for the first several years of my practice. Wow. So talk to us more about matching. I mean, what was that experience like? So matching is so much harder than anyone will ever give surrogacy professionals credit for. It is so hard to find someone who is essentially an Olympian of pregnancy, because that's what surrogates are and who has, you know, no health issues, but also has the support system that she needs to, to move forward, to help someone else grow a family. And it's, it's really not just those things, but it's also what the two different parties are looking for out of a journey. So it's not a science. It's also an art. I completely agree. And as somebody who spent the majority of my time in third party reproduction matching surrogates and intended parents, I would agree that it's definitely an art. And I also want to um, echo your sentiments about the support system for surrogates, because I don't think that people, and I don't think that surrogates really think about how much support they're going to need when going into a surrogacy journey, because like you said, they've had 
they're the Olympians at pregnancy. They've had amazing pregnancies and they've been smooth and their deliveries were great. And so to them, I think a lot of times it's just, I'm going to get to help somebody else do this and have a baby and grow their family. And it's going to be exactly what it was for me, but there's so much more to surrogacy, you know, there's failed transfers and miscarriages and, you know, those things are really hard when it's your own baby. But for me, at least it was even harder to lose a a baby for intended parents who had been, you know, longing for that baby for so long and had already been through so many um, trials and losses. And so that's where I really, really relied on my support system. And um, I I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, you just, you have to have that. And that's what people don't understand about what's, what's scary about going you know, indie or, you know, we, as we say an independent match without using an agency. Um, it's not just putting people in contact with professionals. It's really having that resource that you can count on at any time when you do need help. Yeah, I agree. And just to navigate that, I mean, no, definitely. I think, I think that there's a misconception with many intended parents that they're scared that the surrogate will bond with the baby. And so once she gives birth to their baby, that it's going to be hard for her, hard for her on that, on that behalf. But really it's from what I've seen in, you know, a decade of doing this is that there's such a strong bond between the surrogate and the intended parents that when the baby is born, and they are just, they're new parents. They're slammed. They're so yeah. busy and they have this new life that they've been waiting for. And so they might not have the time to communicate. And so that can be um, worrisome or sad for the surrogate, not necessarily as the baby. It's, it's your bond with the intended parents and that yeah. friendship. Yeah, completely agree. And that's, you know, as a surrogate that's done two journeys and created a relationship with both my intended parents and a very close relationship with my second set of intended parents who live in Spain, that for sure was, um, I think the hardest part of my whole journey because ours went very smoothly. Um, We were really lucky, but having the baby and seeing them with their baby was this big, huge highlight of all of it. And then it was done and then they had their baby and then their journey was really just beginning. And, you know, they were busy and I don't fault them ever. And now we do talk all the time. And um, of course, and everything's great four years later. Um, But it was hard because I talked to him every single day, Uh, especially those last couple of weeks, you know, like anything going on today, (laughs) are you feeling different today? Um, And so you, and you just get closer and closer and closer. And then, you know, and especially when you have international intended parents, which I would not ever in a million years change that, um, even though they're far away, they're always, you know, close to my heart and there's so much good technology to stay in touch, but it's definitely, it's definitely the most challenging aspect. And I remember when they went back to Spain and I, I cried and my husband's like, are you going to miss the baby? I'm like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> <The> baby. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to miss these people who've become my best friends, my family, like, no, I just don't want them to leave. And yes, the baby, he's adorable. And I absolutely adore him, but it's, it's into the parents. And I think that a lot of people don't understand um, how close the intended parents and surrogates get. And I think that the surrogates, their real relationship is with the intended parents and not the baby. I think it's so interesting how there's also a misconception that with international intended parents, 
that there's not going to be as much communication mm-hmm. because of distance and also because people are from a different culture. Right. When, in my experience, it's not that way at all. I mean, even, even as the attorney, I am, I'm so close to my clients who are international and, you know, even after the baby is born, you know, keeping up with them, I don't see that as, you know, them being distant at all. Right. I 100% agree. And I see that just, you know, professionally at the agency and then personally, because I had a domestic local couple um, to me, like come to all the appointments local, which was super amazing. But it was, I have a better relationship actually with my intended parents from Spain. Um, and one, because I just think that we just kind of mesh different, you know, we mesh better. Um, and two, because I think there was an overcompensation for communication because they were so far and we didn't yeah. get to see each other at all the appointments. And we didn't get that one-on-one and in-person time. And so we just really put forth a lot of effort to connect um, throughout the pregnancy. And I think that just built a stronger relationship. And while I still have communication with my first set of intended parents, it's nothing like the relationship I have with my second set. There is a lot of trust that you have to put in someone who is carrying your baby underneath their their skin, (laughs) you know, on a different continent, but especially so in a pandemic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I always say that. I'm like, I don't know that I could be an intended parent. I think, and maybe it's because I'm a midwife. And so, you know, I feel like I would be that one putting crazy things in people's contracts. (laughs) I'm being honest. I mean, I think that's, you know, partly what has made our partnership and working together so successful is because we're so protective over clients in that way, you know, with the pandemic, I was checking in with you weekly about clients to update you on travel plans. We were working together to secure Airbnbs, to find diapers and formula when it was hard to find that, which is just, it's so crazy that that's even a thing. Um, And we got everyone here. Everyone was here for their baby's birth. That's amazing. And I, and I still get asked that a lot. And I, and I was, especially ask this in the, you know, the highest point of COVID or really when it was just kind of newer, I guess we're still really in the high point of COVID, Um, but kind of, you know, last spring when it was just like, boom, in our faces um, and people worrying about matching, like at the beginning of their journeys, worrying, is this a good time to do it? Will my intended parents be able to come? And it's really nice to be able to be like, yeah, we did. All of our Texas, you know, surrogates have their intended parents here. Um, and that's obviously, and due to you and the other amazing attorneys that we work with. And so we've actually, I feel like survived all of this pandemic, especially the beginning when nobody knew what in the world to do. And we all were scrambling just to help everybody. I know. Um, so I mean, I think it was changing, but you know, one really great thing we, we are both, you know, so proactive that there was no, oh, you know, this happened because we didn't do X, Y, and Z early. Right. For example, so, you know, I was pregnant and it was the day before lockdown in Texas. And I had, as you know, I was a little crazy about COVID. (laughs) Um, 
as an understatement. <laughs> um, say, yeah, we could have been more opposite. I don't think when it came to yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I hadn't been out already in a, quite a while. It was March 11th. It was my last day out. And we had, um, one FSC couple who I had been waiting on their international attorney to approve things. And my husband did not want me to go to court. And I said, I have to go. I just, I think this is going to last a lot longer than people are expecting. And I need to get this done. And most people would say, you know what? It's 12 weeks. You don't have to get the pre-birth order yet, but we got it. And everyone was taken care of. Yeah. So what made you decide to take that, that make that turn from, you know, working on matching surrogates and intended parents and just really focusing on the legal aspects associated with surrogacy? I think there's a deep emotional um, labor that goes into matching people and you know, my clients have full access to me. They have my cell phone. They know all about me. I know all about them. And, um, and I was doing a lot of work with international couples and which, as we just talked about, takes even, even more time and more work. And I couldn't have my own baby. You know, we had tried for over four, for over five years, um, to get pregnant with my daughter, Noemi, And so just for my own emotional protection, you know, helping people have their own children and, and deeply wanting my own baby and knowing all of the horrible things that can happen. I decided that I just wanted to focus on, um, on legal. And so I've brought that holistic concierge type service. And it has been so wonderful to work together and to make sure that everyone's having such amazing journeys and, and be a mom myself now, finally. Yeah. And being a mom is really the best job ever. It is more than I could have ever hoped for. And to be able to help people realize that dream as well. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find uh, any other calling in life. Yeah, I, I agree. I sometimes think it's unreal that this is the work that I get to do every day. And um, it's just such a rewarding job and, you know, heartbreaking and inspiring and just incredible work. Um, and I think we're both really lucky to get to do this and work with amazing intended parents and surrogates and professionals. And, um, and I think probably most everybody in this industry just really has a passion for it, which makes it even more special. You, you know, you give a piece of your heart to the people that you serve. And I use the word serve because it truly is a life and a labor of service. Mm-hmm. And when someone has a loss, when they, you know, you carry that with you, you hold right. that. In your heart. I can, I can look back at my career and some of the hardest points were, when there was nothing I could do, but just because an embryo wouldn't take, um, you know, I, I carry that with me and, and those babies that have been born, you know, I, I say they have a piece of my heart. Yeah. 
for sure. Is there any other law that, or any other way that you help intended parents outside of adoption and surrogacy laws? So I'm really a family building concierge. So doctors, what they will often do is they'll, they'll contact me about a patient who needs help. And I really speak to the patient about, you know, their financial situation, their goals, where they're at and help them pinpoint the solution that works best for them, Mm -hmm. including, you know, surrogacy adoption, egg sperm, embryo donation, and, you know, going as far as if they would like um, to review contracts with agencies to make sure everyone understands um, and to make sure they found the right fit for them. What, okay, so the beginning we talked about how amazing Texas is. And we don't just say that because we're here, right? I mean, there's other Um, reasons why we say Texas. (laughs) I mean, that's the best reason is because this is where we live. Uh, But what are, for surrogacy and third-party reproduction, what is it that makes Texas so appealing and so friendly? So one, our laws are so straightforward. They are extremely friendly to building families. We have a culture of family building. In fact, in San Antonio, we do more same-sex adoptions than anywhere in the nation. That's incredible. And that often surprises people. They think Mm -hmm. like, oh, it would be Austin or San Francisco. But um, if you go to our pride parade, you'll just see it's a bunch of suburban, you know, parents (laughs) with their kids, (laughs) tacos, having margaritas. It's just, you know, our, our, particular culture of just being families. And so Mm -hmm. that's just second nature to us. And so to be able to share that with the world is something that our judges here um, really appreciate and they don't take for granted. And I know it's a surprise for people, you know, and especially for Texans, they think people are coming from Europe to Texas for progressive, you know, family building solutions but it's, it's the truth. It's, it's I, know. I think that people are often, especially when I'm working with intended parents, you just sign on, this is their first journey. And I reach out with a surrogate profile for, you know, somebody in Texas. And I think most people think, you know, California was like the place to be. That's the, that was a place to do surrogacy. And I, it still is a great place. They have great laws too. Um, so people are kind of surprised by Texas, you know, we're in the South, we're not really known to be all that progressive. Although I think there's you know, a lot of good things happening in our state. Um, but I, yeah, I think people are caught off guard by how progressive we are when it comes to building families via surrogacy. And um, I think it's, I think it's personally <laughs> one of the best states to, to do surrogacy and to match with a surrogate and, um, you know, having to parents and clinics and lawyers and um, agencies. I just think it's such a great state for surrogacy all around. And it's just not that we have, you know, a simple process with forward laws. It's also, we have really great resources for pregnancies here. Mm -hmm. So one comment that I hear, you know, quite often from people in other, you know, countries or um, sometimes from the Northeast is, well, what about the medical care in Texas? And that always throws me off because I'm 
you know, I grew up in Houston, which is the largest biomedical center in the world. Right. (laughs) So, you know, if you're going to talk about receiving top medical care, people come from all over the world for the medical care in Texas, um, especially Mm -hmm. Houston. And that's part of why we have such a large, diverse presence. Houston Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, if not the most diverse and international city um, in the nation, it's one of the top contenders. And so, you know, for me, as, as as a parent of young children, I like that we have some of the top medical minds um, mm-hmm. the world here. Yeah. I mean, in addition to, well, I think a bit of, well, in addition to all of the amazing hospitals that we have and the children's hospitals, cause we have several yeah. top children's hospitals in our state. Um, but then also, and this is something that a lot of people don't really talk about or really know about is it's also a really friendly birth community here of like yes. freestanding birth centers, home birth midwives. And I'm not just saying that because that's what I do, <laughs> but because it's true, Texas is one. And I, and I hear this a lot from other midwives that I meet in other States. Like really Texas is like, really, you can do that in Texas. Yeah, yeah. we can. And not only can we do it legally, but it's supported and it's welcomed and we have relationships with hospital providers as out of hospital midwives. And it's just, there's just so many birthing options here for families that, um, I, I really think giving birth in Texas is the best place to give birth. So that's always so surprising to me when I hear attorneys from other States say, but they shouldn't be able to do that. You can't let her give birth in a birth center. Like who are you to decide how these intended parents are going to make choices about their child's health care? Right. That's, just, that's not my decision. And that's, that's the couple's decision. Um, you know, the parties have to agree on that. And, and, you know, our job as attorneys is to support them in that mm-hmm. and to protect everyone. So we make those wishes come true. Um, our job is not to tell anyone what their choices should be or will be. Um, you know, especially with infertility, you have had so many choices ripped from your hands. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to empower people to say, listen, these are the laws. These are the choices you can make as far as the contract, the pre-birth order. These are the choices you can make as far as your child being born. Um, we should offer that to them. Right. I mean, it's all, yeah, it's all about education and then support. Exactly. And that's something that, you know, we you and I dealt with over the, the COVID pandemic, especially last summer, you know, I was pregnant. Um, and I was, I was facing so many challenges myself personally Mm -hmm. and our clients, we were having to discuss with them, you know, the hospital policy is currently that you will not be able to to be there and in the hospital room, would you like to consider, you know, going to a birth center? Right. And they were tough conversations because we want to make sure everyone is on the same page, but to at least have options is so powerful. 
I 100% agree. And something that you said about um, who are we to say where somebody gives birth and this, these intended parents, the surrogate have agreed upon this. That just really resonates with me because, you know, years ago when I was starting my second journey and reaching out to agencies and just trying to figure out where I belonged, that is why I fell in love with family source was because the first person I talked to said, I said, would you guys allow a home birth? Cause I'm a licensed home birth midwife and I give birth to my own children at home. And, and the, and she just responded, well, nobody's ever asked me that before, but I mean, who are we to say where you get birth? And it was like, Oh, I found my place. And yes. it was amazing. And my search was over and it didn't matter how long it took, which it took about four months um, because I wanted a home birth um, to match my intended parents. But of course that was the most amazing match and almost four years later. And I just love them so much. And so I'm so grateful that, you know, I, I stuck to what I really believed in um, what I really wanted for myself and my body. And, um, and that I found intended parents that were so supportive of that. And that we had an agency that was supportive and we had lawyers that were supportive and we had a clinic that was supportive. Um, it was just so important to the whole picture and to the whole process. And I've heard you to say the same thing and the total opposite way, as far as surrogates who say, I want to do an induction and everyone's on board for mm-hmm. it. Say, you know what? That's the way she wants to birth. Um, everyone's yep. on board for it. The doctors, you know, are all supportive and make it happen. Yep. Yeah. I just had into the parents ask me that yesterday, you know, is that, could we ask for a surrogate that once? to schedule an induction so that we can be sure to be there. Sure. Yeah, we can ask, we can find you if there's the surrogate that there's plenty of women who do that in their own pregnancies because that works best for their schedules. That what's make that makes them feel safe and in control. And so, yeah, there's plenty of women that are open to that. And sure. We can make that a part of your criteria. Why not? If she's agreeable to it and you're agreeable to it, yeah, why not? So it goes in every different direction. If both parties are agreeable to something, if, I mean, even, you know, they want to schedule a C-section. Okay, sure. If everybody is educated on what's about to happen and everybody's in agreement, then yeah, who's who says, who gets to make that decision that that doesn't happen? And it's certainly not me. I'm not making that decision that it's not going to happen. Totally agree. And I, I'm, I'm proud that, you know, our state is obviously not perfect, but I'm, I'm proud that we do give people those options. Me too. So talking about all families, you know, being able to be built in Texas, who exactly can work with a Texas surrogate? Can a single intended parent work with a Texas surrogate legally? Sure. Anyone and everyone come on down. <laughs> I know a same-sex couple can because obviously I carried a baby yes. for a same-sex couple. What about an unmarried same-sex couple? Yes. What's more important is making sure you're working with a surrogacy attorney who's experienced because the strange thing about Texas is every every um, court district is different. Mm-hmm. Right. And so every city is different. And so making sure that you have an experienced attorney who's received those results before. Um, you know, I've I've never had an issue with that here in San Antonio. And I've been doing this, as I said, for 10 years. So um, yeah. I'm just I'm just proud to help people. We're just proud to help people have have families here. Yeah. When in the process, would you suggest that? legal aspects 
be covered? At what point should an intended parent be in touch with their lawyer or get a lawyer? And at what point should they kind of start that process? Always tell your attorney all of your heart's desires and the truth. (laughs) (laughs) If there's anything you're thinking, is this important to tell my attorney? It definitely is. So um, definitely let us know uh, if, if there's something that is on your heart as a desire Um, Let us know as soon as possible. Um, I am a big believer that unless your clinic says otherwise, always do legal after psych. So I don't want you to spend any money on paying me to draft your agreement unless your surrogate has been psychologically cleared. Um, And the reason is I just don't want you to invest that money until we know everything's a go. Right. So I, you know, as far as timeline for that, once you're, you have everything agreed upon and the match and you're ready to move forward. Um, and then as far as the pre-birth order, you know, pre-COVID people would say, gosh, Sharna, why do you do your parentage orders at 12 weeks? That's so early. That's way too early. Um, but it was, you know, March 11th, Last year, when I made my last trip to the courthouse on a family, a fa- you know, of yours from Israel, and I had been waiting on some approval by their attorney um, there to move forward. And my husband said, you know, you're pregnant. I'm really worried about you going. And I, I said, I am too, but it's really important that I take care of them. And I don't know what's going to happen if I don't do this now, because I have a feeling that this is going to last a lot longer than people are saying it will be. And that was the last day that court was actually open. And we had their pre-birth order done and all of my clients had everything done, everything, you know, I got them all here. So I'm a big fan as far as getting your pre-birth order once you have a viable pregnancy Mm -hmm. and you feel comfortable, but don't wait too long. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, that pre-birth order and your baby is born, that's when you run into, you know, are you going to have to adopt your child? And Mm -mm. you, I mean, I don't even want to go there because I've never had that (laughs) happen. I know, I'm like, no, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I am just too on top of it. I just, it stresses me out when people wait. And, um, and so there's just no benefit, no benefit to waiting that late. So you, you like, you like to meet your intended parents as early as possible in their journey, possibly. really start legal. So that way you get to know them. Cause I think you're, I oh, know, yeah. well, I don't think I know you're like me. You want to know everybody and everything. Um, and then really kind of start the legal process once their surrogate is screened and approved to move forward. Um, and then of course the PBO, like you said, at, you know, with a viable pregnancy and at a time that the intended parents feel comfortable to go ahead and get that started. And I like to know people because not only am I serving you in the most important part of your life, um, but I'm, you know, I also think that a good attorney needs to know what's your situation, what's your surrogate situation, um, how many kids does she have, what does she do, Um, you know, does she have a spouse, do they work outside the home, Um, all of that information, that way we can come up, create with creative situations, um, 
or solutions that fit everyone within the contract. Right. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I hear attorneys say, oh, well, we can't accept this because we've always done it this way. Well, just because you've always done it one way does not mean that it's the best way. So I, I like to, you know, um, to be creative, to make sure we find the best fit for everyone, because that truly is what, um, an attorney should be in my, in my opinion, right. Your attorney should a, a win for, for you and for your attorney should be that everyone moves forward and everyone feels happy. They feel confident. They feel like they got, um, a solution that works for them. They feel protected. It should not be guns a blazing come into this advantage of someone. We're going to, you know, we're going to sue this and that. I mean, you have to be, you know, careful, make sure everyone's protected, but yes. And in 10 years of doing this, I have never had a situation where um, we've had to deal with a lawsuit. And I think part of that is just because, um, of my perspective and the way that right. I handle things. Totally agree. So we've talked about how friendly Texas is from the surrogate's point of view and using a surrogate in Texas. What about for intended parents in Texas? Is there oh, anything that, yeah, is there, oh. I mean, you can get a pre-birth order if you're if you're a Texas parent, as long as one party's in Texas, you can get that pre-birth order. And I think there's a reason why Texas intended parents and Texas clinics often insist on Texas surrogates because they know how good things are here. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to go elsewhere. Likewise, um, you know, so often with my clients from Mexico, they want someone in Texas, not just because they understand the culture and, you know, we're basically just, um, like cousins and (laughs) family that, um, that they know how, you know, there's easy access here, you know, often, Mexican clients know because they travel here to shop Mm -hmm. vacation, they know that it's a very practical destination Mm -hmm. for having a baby. It's affordable. There are so many amenities. I it, one of the funny things to me is how intended parents often from Europe love to go shopping here. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) you know, they don't buy anything at home. They come here and they load up, um, (laughs) because there's so many options and everything's so much more affordable. And so it's just an all around wonderful destination. Yeah. I can attest to, um, European shopping here, you know, since I have a host daughter here for the year from Spain. And I think the only thing she has spent her money on are clothes. So, um, We teased her yesterday because sadly it's coming to an end and she'll be leaving the summer and said, I think we should probably start sending some of the stuff you've bought back <laughs> to your parents uh-huh. because this is not all going to fit in that one suitcase you brought over. And uh, I think we should probably start sending some boxes home. Um, so she yeah. follow the international IP solution, which is you come here and when you go shopping, you just buy extra luggage. Into <laughs> right. and then you put your stuff in it and you fly back with that yeah. 
I don't even think all her stuff will fit into extra luggage. Oh. <laughs> I have a feeling we've got a lot of stuff. Um, is there anything else before we end that you want to add, Sharna? I would love to encourage people to trust their guts. So there is so much trust that has to take place to even start this journey. But I think beyond choosing an agency or an attorney or a doctor, you know, there are great numbers out there, but make sure that your gut really trusts that person. Do you have the same communication styles and the same expectations? If they haven't worked with someone in your situation, how are they willing to meet you where you need for them to be? Because in the, in the end, we're here to serve you. Right. Love it. Well, Sharna, thank you so much for joining us today. It is always, always, always a pleasure talking with you and talking about, you know, one of our favorite things, which is third-party reproduction and helping build families. It's all about these babies. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Me. Of course. Okay. Bye-bye. always love talking about third-party reproduction and the great state of Texas with Sharna. We are so happy she took the time to join us on the Family Source Surrogacy podcast to share her wealth of knowledge and expertise. If anyone out there has a story related to surrogacy or third-party reproduction that they like to share on the Family Source Surrogacy podcast, please email info at familysourceconsultants.com. We are going to be doing one of these every couple of weeks, so please make sure to find us on Spotify or FamilySourceConsultants.com. Until next time, bye!